the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. And a good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us. We are locked, loaded, and underway at 10 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this third morning of the third month in the year of our Lord, 2023. And as I check the calendar for confirmation, I do find out that it is indeed a free-for-all Friday! All righty, yeah. And you know what? It's a real one, not a fake one today. A real free-for-all Friday today, meaning... Uh, we are guest free. We have cleared the, uh, the docket. Uh, it is wide open. There is so much to talk about. We have so many very important topics that we can dive into. I could spend the next five hours just talking without taking a call. I don't want to for the next three hours. I want to hear from you, but I have so much material. We have so much, uh, uh, so many important things that we have to discuss. We have cleared the decks for you so you can choose where we go, what direction this conversation takes today. 
And, uh, and, and there is really no wrong answer. There's no wrong answer to what you want to talk about today. So I want to hear from you. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Uh, we'll bring you up whenever you're ready. Just remember when you do call that. Uh, you just got to try harder not to suck. Make good conversation. Don't suck at it. Make sure that you are, uh, are, are coming with something strong. Now we will not censor any topics obviously but if you're boring then i will say to you out 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 immediately out don't, i don't want to talk to you not a word i don't care what you have to say out yeah my drop screen is in front of me and i'm just having a little fun here i like to do free for all uh sometimes with uh, with sound bites <laughs> random sound bite friday might be uh might be a new thing i used to do that years ago i used to do it on a thursday i would have random sound bite thursday and I might have random soundbite Friday today. I don't know. I'm just feeling like having some fun. But in all seriousness, we do have a lot of work to do and a lot of important ground to cover. Some of it is not at all fun, to be 100% honest with you. Some of it is very, very dangerous. But I do want to, um, and very, very serious, but I do want to uh, uh, bring you in on the conversations this morning. Uh, 216-901-0945. Now, before we start with some of the issues that I would like to get into, uh, what do you say we go ahead and do our pledge? Let's stand and face our flags. If you have one nearby, put your hand over your heart and join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a believer in what Joe Biden continues to sell and what the American university system continues to push, and guess what? They're one and the same. I will explain after we do our pledge. But if you are a believer in those things, well, then you aren't a believer in the flag because they are literally polar opposites one another. You may consider yourself exempt from the request to uh, stand and pledge your allegiance to it. You may instead take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. As for the rest of us. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right. In truth, I should probably amend that ever so slightly when I said the university system, because there's sto- many stories I want to talk about do have to do with the higher uh, with the higher uh, education uh, system. But we do need to talk about what's going on at our high schools and our middle schools and our elementary schools as well, because there is so much uh, damage being done to our kids. Uh, I got a real firsthand look at it last night when somebody sent me a, um, an assignment based on a reading uh, that their kid was having to do in for their for their college and uh, for their uh, a college class. Uh, I won't mention which one. I won't tell you what uh, the course was, but I will tell you this: the indoctrination into all woke ideologies and identities, meaning the identity politics that is played by the Democrats at the federal level, well, really at every level of of government. But the, um, the political ideologies of, of communism and Marxism are in full swing in our colleges and universities. There was a question... That on, with an essay had to be written on a, on a, on a piece that was written by, a, a, I can only just call, a radical left-wing Marxist. I had never heard of the author before, but I read the piece. And what was sent to me in that piece was virtually every single identity political issue that the American left ha- is, is, is using 
to warp kids today was included in this uh, nine-page uh, essay. This nine-page essay that the student had to read and then and write a, a, a report on. Um, it had every single element of wokeism that you can imagine. Queer theory, critical race theory, BLM, um, Marxism, uh, demonization of Christians, painting of police officers as murderers, particularly murderers targeting intentionally people of color, uh, systemic racism holding everyone back, uh, race as a disability. I mean, all of these things in one nine-page essay, and the kid had to regurgitate it and, and explain how all of these things you know meld together and blah, 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 and, and reflect modern-day society. I was simultaneously disgusted and and irate as i was reading and i was thinking there are parents who are paying thousands and thousands of dollars for their kids to be indoctrinated with this stuff there are kids who are taking out thousands and thousands of dollars in loans to be indoctrinated with this stuff and they have no choice in the matter these courses are required courses we're talking about things that are not electives. We're talking about to get a degree, you must have you know uh, uh, you know a certain number of these core diversity courses. And I'm thinking to myself, these kids have no choice. They have to take the course. They have no choice but to repeat back to the professor in the way of essays and papers, repeat back to the professors, paraphrases, and what their deeper understanding of these left-wing messages are. To the point where, as they have to write in order to get the grades, it cannot help but become ingrained into the personal thinking and philosophy and thought processes of the students. That's what brainwashing is. Let me take it further. That's what grooming is. It's kind of funny. That has become a word. It has become kind of... um, you know, considered to be a taboo word among the radical left, because that's what we call those who are continually trying to sexualize children in the name of transgender ideology and in the name of cross-dressing by way of drag shows for all ages and drag story hour and all this other nonsense. Um, So much of what is being done by the rainbow flag waivers in order to try to literally groom these children into accepting and then desiring a role in a new deviant lifestyle other than the normal traditional nuclear family-centered lifestyle that they have. They literally are grooming children into a lifestyle choice. Not people who are born with an actual condition, less than 1% of actual uh, uh, trans people have the uh, the the um, what's the word diagnosed the diagnosed condition of gender dysphoria. So many of the others are just manipulated and brainwashed into thinking that they are some other identity. This is all part of the grooming process, right? Well, grooming can also be used in other ways, and what they are doing to these young college students by some of the things that I have read and that we will talk about, and we're already giving you a little bit of a taste of, is an attempt to groom them into good little communists. Marxists and communists, and I'm not talking about communism as the you know a method of uh, uh, economic structure. No, 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 I'm not talking about that aspect of it. I'm talking about the imprisonment 
of the people structure. I'm talking about the limited freedoms or the elimination completely of freedoms that are granted in a constitutional republic like ours. Because, of course, when we are talking about this type of ideology, there is no constitution. There is nothing that allows for the people to push back, should they so decide, in this type of system. And this is being pushed on your kids and mine in colleges. I know for a fact what I received yesterday from a parent that their kid sent them this piece. Like I said, it's just, it's just the most monstrous type of filth denigrating and and completely um fabricating stories about this country what it is how it was founded and what it stands stands for right now that it stands for systemic oppression of people and the and the subjugation of people of color subjugation of people of queer thought or identification subjugation of people uh, even women Uh, If they choose to identify them as women, all of this stuff is just so beyond the pale anymore, it cannot be ignored. Now, I know there are organizations and groups that are not ignoring it, that are pushing back against this, but it's very, very hard when the professors who are pushing this crap down your children's throats have tenure. They can't be fired. They would pretty much have to commit a murder on campus before they could be fired when they are protected by tenure. They are bulletproof. They are absolutely fearless in what they do. They know they can't be touched. And this is what 98% of them have as their ideology. This is, on American campuses, 98% of their professors are not just quote-unquote registered Democrats. They are radical left-wing ideologues. And they are intent upon turning your kid into a little communist robot that you don't recognize anymore. And I am seeing some of this firsthand right now. I have read the assignments, and I have uh, read the dossier of the teachers, or the professors, rather, and I know exactly what is going on. So um, this is a big deal. We're going to talk a little bit more about that as we go. Let me hit you with this, too, before our first break. As evidence of what I'm talking about when they push the trans agenda, and when they push the LGBTQ alphabet agenda, the Rainbow Mafia, well, call it what you want to call it. The new mantra in the LGBTQ uh, movement is that being straight equals hate. You understand? The LGBTQ movement started out as, quote-unquote, few decades ago as gay rights and quite frankly there should be gay rights because every american has rights and all americans rights are the same got no problem with that but the gay rights campaign morphed into something very very different and very very dangerous over the course of the last probably in earnest the last 10 years They have put the pedal to the metal in the last five and really, really are just pushing and pressuring this thing faster and faster and faster. But I want you to understand what I just said to you. Their new campaign is straight equals hate. They started with, hey, tolerance. You need to tolerate people with different lifestyles than yours. Or if you believe that some people are born homosexual, born gay, fine whether they're born or they choose tolerance was the first request 
which I think decent people in decent society agreed with, right? Tolerance, okay, yeah. Not my cup of tea. Don't try to force it on me, but I, I tolerate it, sure. What do I care? Right? Okay. Tolerance very quickly advanced into acceptance. And that's, and that's not so much. In the difference, of course, being tolerance is, yeah, it doesn't bother me. Acceptance means I now have to um, watch it shoved into my face, no matter how uncomfortable it might make me or my children, and I have to accept it. I have to accept it on my television screen. I have to accept it everywhere that I turn. Okay. We're still in a place of, you're still not coming for me. You're just trying to, you're trying to change, you know, heteronormative values into some antiquated idea, but okay, acceptance. Then it morphed into, and this is more recent, celebration. You don't just tolerate it quietly. You don't just accept it. Now you have to celebrate it. Now if you're not using the pronouns, showing you approve of and celebrate their choices, if you're not waving the flag all throughout the month of June, the pride flag, if you are not at the parades letting your kids watch half-naked, leather-clad, wearing men walking walking another around on dog leashes. This is real. This is legitimate. This is what gay pride uh, uh, parades are like in many, many cities. If you're not, you're not there celebrating it and bringing your kids to it, then you're a bigot. You're a homophobe. You're a transphobe. So we went from tolerance to acceptance to celebrating it. Now here we are. We've arrived. Now it's participate in it, or you're a bigot. You're a phobe. Now straight equals hate. If you are what you are, which is normal and heterosexual, then you are practicing hate. As evidence of this, a group called the Trans Rights Campaign is now circulating images with messages on social media that say, fight bigotry. 98% of straight men are unwilling to date trans women because of hatred. This has to change. You understand that? If you're a straight man and you refuse to date a trans woman, which means a man, okay? A trans woman is a biological man. And if you refuse to date a biological man with makeup and a wig, then you are a bigot. You are committing an act of hatred. And that has to change. Do you see the progression and how far it has come and how fast? Tolerate other people's lifestyles, fine. Accept other people's lifestyles, okay, fine. Celebrate these alternative lifestyles, even if they um, inappropriately and perhaps dangerously influence children. And then you better not stop at celebration. You better participate. If you don't date a woman that you mate because you find out that it's not a woman, it's a guy, 
It's a biological man, and you're not interested in relations with people of the same sex as you because you're not homosexual, then you are hate, uh, full of hate. You are a bigot. You are a homophobe. You are a transphobe. This is literally here now. If you don't act gay, be gay, participate in gay relationships, you are a bigot. That's where we are. And this is being pushed on our college campuses, too. I would very much love your reaction to this. 216 It's always right radio on AM 1420, The Answer Back. Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. So uh, I just took the time during uh, during the commercial break there to, um, to share this on my Facebook page if you follow me there. And I'll put it on my Twitter feed and my Truth Social page as well. I just, I just wanted to spell it out to make it as clear as possible for anybody and everybody to understand. The moment that we have been predicting, the uh, bottom of the slippery slope, if you will, don't ever question the danger of the slippery slope theory again, is here. Step one, tolerance. We must all be tolerant of other lifestyles or else we're bigots. Step two, acceptance. We should be welcoming these lifestyles in our own spaces or else we're bigots. Step three, celebration. We must all wave the flags and march in the parades, celebrating alternative lifestyles and identities or else we're bigots. And now, step four, participation. We must participate in LGBTQ relationships, which includes straight males having relationships with other biological males, as long as they wear wigs and makeup or else we're bigots. Straight equals hate. This is the message. Straight equals hate. And I think everybody needs to be aware of this and everybody needs to be uh, alerting others who are not to this. Uh, let's go to phones. Uh, this is just this is, this is stuff that we knew was coming. We warned that it was coming. People told us we were just crazy. People told us we were bigots. People told us we were uh, intolerant and so on and so forth. We told you where it ultimately ends up, and now we're here. You either participate in that gay relationship or you're a bigot and you're going to be ostracized. You are going to be canceled. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. It is a free-for-all Friday, so anything you want to talk about is fair game as well. So we'll go to the phones. We'll talk, I'll talk first with uh, Jim in West Park. Hey, Jim, it's been a little bit. How are you, sir? Good morning, Bob. There's been a couple of questions that I've been wrestling with yeah. for a couple of weeks now. Are you winning? Uh, and, and I just wanted to throw it, throw it at you here. Right. Um, the, the virus, the... Uh, the COVID-19, 120-spike uh, virus was a bioweapon. We had to move that offshore. And so if it is a bioweapon, well, we got these shots that can't keep you from getting it and can't, and can't keep you from giving it. And they add a third strand of RNA in your body to supposedly fight this virus, which does nothing but tear down your immune system, is, is the vaccine itself a bioweapon? 
Well, um, that depends on who you ask. Um, I, I think given the results and given the fact that they refused to tell people what was in the vaccines, refused to tell them what the potential long-term side effects would be, which means, and then forced it on people by way of the mandates, um, without giving them informed consent, Jim, one could argue that, yes, the vaccines were a bioweapon as much as the uh, the Wuhan Institute of Virology cranked out the COVID-19 bioweapon. One could argue that it was done in concert with one another. Yes. I, I Of course, there's not 100% oh. proof of that. But, yeah, that's okay. a, I'll, I'll join you in wrestling with that question. Yeah. Okay. And the second question, I posed this to the Great Outdoors show on Sunday morning. What What does it mean to you? the line, when the chickens come home to roost? Because they all, all three had a different answer, and I had a different answer also. So I'll let you go. Uh, you can comment on that, and I'll, I'll listen on the radio. Okay, I, well, and thank call, you for the call, Jim. Yeah, um, I, I don't know that I can really answer that without the context of what does it mean to, when the chickens come home to roost. Obviously, for a lot of people, it means, you know, when you advance or argue for a certain cause, a certain ideology, a certain outcome, and then that particular outcome happens and it comes back to bite you and to affect you in a negative way. Uh, in some way that that's you know one one phrasing of of uh you know the chickens have come home come home to roost it's just a matter of um you know uh that which you wished upon someone else if it comes back to harm you that's what it means it's kind of what reverend jeremiah wright said you remember back uh, obama's pastor when he talked about 911 was an example of the chickens coming home to roost that american imperialism abroad, Americans forcing themselves, their culture, their way of life on other people, including people in the Middle East, um, was going to lead to a pushback and going to lead to this coming right back in their face. The chickens have come home to roost. And this is how the people... Uh, you know, in the uh, in the in the radical Islamic group of Al Qaeda and others, um, this is how they responded. The chickens have come home, come home to roost, and they turned around and attacked us. So that's that's the best I can give you without context, because you said you got three different answers. There's probably three different scenarios in order to get those answers, but that's the best I've got for you, Jim. Uh, thanks for the call. Um, Chuck is in Cleveland. Chuck, you're on AM 1420. The answer. Go right ahead, sir. Hi, Bob. Uh, in relation to the earlier part of your program. Um, the nine-page letter or what a paper or whatever it was. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now it 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 asked it posed a question to me. With Biden's wanted to uh, do away with the, uh, the 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 college fees, their dues, or their 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 whatever. Now, what is his motivation? Is it this woke? He's paying for this woke ideology, or is it to buy votes? I'll wait for your answer. Well, hold on, Chuck. Chuck, hey, Chuck, hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to make sure I All understand right. your question. You're, you're at, we're, please ask the question again so I can understand your context. Okay. Now, so, so the paper that is, I, the paper, the, the essay that, that I you told you the assignment, nine page yeah. paper. Right. And okay. that was given to a class of students who had to write a report on that to essentially explain yeah, college, it in more depth. College, right. college, college students, level. right. Correct. Yes, sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, now. Is Biden forgiving the student loans because he's trying to push this ideology, or is he doing it to buy votes? 
Okay, okay. So, it, well, here's the reason I guess I didn't understand. I, I, I don't think it's an either-or question. I think absolutely both of those things are true. I talked about this yesterday with Ilya Shapiro when we discussed on the Sebastian Gorka show that I hosted yesterday afternoon. He wrote a piece about this for the City Journal about the uh, Supreme Court, uh, you know, essentially hearing, and there's no doubt they're going to rule Biden's executive order on forgiving these loans uh, unconstitutional. And I asked him, is this and was this an attempt just to buy votes from, uh, you know, young recent graduates of college who have tons of loans who will be getting great, uh, you know, benefits from this and current students who don't want to graduate with a ton of debt, but they're going to. Uh, so, yes, I think buy votes. And he agreed buy votes is a big, big part of this. But, yes, of course. Of course, the leadership of, you know, the the leftists in our government absolutely want more leftists coming out of our colleges to solidify their power, to solidify their power and to advance their ideology. So you better believe that. And I'm not saying the federal government dictates curricula to the schools, but they absolutely support more kids going into left wing public universities. And almost all of them, even private universities, are left wing. Um, for the purposes of 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 growing their own base, so there's buying votes for with the with this with the student loan bill, absolutely or student loan executive order, I should say. But you better believe they want to create you know and grow that army of robots with leftist thinking uh, as as big as they can. So I think it's a little bit of both. D.I.E. Bob. D.I.E. That's hundred percent right. Thank you, Chuck. I appreciate it. Uh, and and to the point of Biden and D.I.E. I also spoke on Dr. Gorka's show yesterday. And by the way, I'll be hosting for Sebastian Gorka this afternoon again from 3 until 6, so if you've uh, got the time. Um, I'm going to try to have Peter Kersenow on, because Peter, I'm in my, in my hand right now, dated yesterday, um, is, uh, is a letter written by Peter Kersenow on behalf of or on, uh, in his role as a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. To Congressman Jim Jordan, the chair of the House Judiciary Committee. And this letter, I just received it this morning, a copy of it this morning, uh, is asking Commissioner Jordan uh, to look into and investigate and, in, in fact, perhaps call witnesses and, and get testimony on this before the House Judiciary Committee about Joe Biden's uh, executive order on equity, the E in DIE, it's diversity, inclusion, and equity. Dear Chairman Jordan, this is a nine-page letter. No, is it nine? This is an eight-page letter. I'm I'm just going to read you the first paragraph. I write as one member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, not on behalf of the Commission as a whole, to alert you of the Trojan horse that is the executive order. This is what it's called, quote, Executive Order on Further Advancing Racial Equity and Support for Underserved Communities Through the Federal Government, end quote. It is not an exaggeration to say that this executive order is a major step towards socialism. And I'll stop it there because I don't want to give uh, give it all away. But I'm going to talk in more depth about this on Sebastian Gorka's program later today uh, because, I, like I said, I want to get Peter on. Peter can't come on this morning with me, but I do want to bring him to the national audience this afternoon on uh, Dr. Gorka to talk about this because every word he writes in this, and I spent a good deal of time this morning reading it to prep for this, um, is is spot on. It's the same thing I was just talking about with the ridiculous um, advancement of the LGBTQ thing. It's just another step on a very, very slippery slope, and as he correctly identifies, it's one that ends up and lands and spills us into socialism. That's it. Sally is in Bria next on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Sally, go ahead. Hi, Bob. Um, 
the reason I called originally is because I wanted to see if you heard anything in the media regarding the fact that um, Iran is advancing much quicker than than has been acknowledged. On Mark Levin, he revealed that intelligence sources said that it's not a matter of months, but only weeks, days and weeks, till they are able to um, emerge as a nuclear power. 13. And, of course, Biden isn't going to want to have this publicized because he still wants that ridiculous deal with Iran. Yeah, yeah, he does. Uh, 13 was the number that I read, and this was two days ago, so if it's accurate, it would be 11, that they are 11 days away from having enough uranium enriched to create a bomb, to create a nuclear bomb. Uh, and so you're, what, what Levin said is true when he said days or weeks. It's, it's literally less than two weeks. At least that's what I read a couple of days ago. And to your question about the media, not a word. I read one article on it on one conservative site, uh, that, that highlighted probably the same place that Mark Levin got it. But is that a headline on CBS.com? Is it a headline on NBCNews.com? Are they talking about it on the, uh, network news programs? Not one bit. Nobody is talking about it, and there's good reason for that. This is why we thanked President Trump for pulling us out of the Iran nuclear deal, because it limited their ability, their capacity to continue to enrich uranium. This deal that Obama signed with them and that Biden has got us back into, we knew the outcome was going to be that they would have a possession of a nuclear bomb. But we were told, no, 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 no. This is a show of good faith just so the Iranians can um, can generate more energy. They just want nuclear energy, that's all. A nation that, that, that sits in a region of Earth that floats on oil needs nuclear energy. Not not petroleum-based energy. They need nuclear energy. We knew this was coming, and yes, it's about to be here. And what do we do with the nuclear-armed Iran? That is going to be, or Iran, to say it correctly, that is going to be the a, a question uh, that the Biden administration is going to have to answer to. And sadly, every administration after this, once they develop the bomb, uh, is going to have to answer for as well. Remember, this is a nation that pledged to wipe Israel off the map. What better way to do that than with a nuclear weapon, which they are now closer than ever to getting. So you're, you're spot on to be concerned about this, Sally. I'm just glad that Netanyahu got reelected because he's the only one that's standing up against this as far as political leaders go. Yeah, and you know, the reality is that, and thank you for the call, Sally, the reality is that there's nothing that he nor anybody else can do if Iran finishes the job, gets it, and then decides to act out their, um, you know, their, their, their dream of wiping Israel off the map. There's nothing anybody could do. Yeah, they could fire back. Israel could fire back, and maybe the bombs could cross one another in the uh, in the air. Uh, and you know, Iran gets hit while while Israel gets annihilated. But um, that, of course, would be of little cons- or a consolation. So, thank you for the call. I appreciate that. Nobody's talking about it. Nine fifty one. It's always right. Radio. Guess what? It is a free for all Friday. If you didn't notice from the first three calls, uh, different subjects. All. What do you want to talk about? Let's hear it. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Nine fifty-five now. Always right. Radio on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Free for all Friday. We are guest free today. Christina Hagen is our normal Friday guest. She has a, a pretty good excuse to be off this week. She has her thirty-ninth week 
of pregnancy checkup today. She's in week 39, so she is ready to bring child number four into their family any day now. Any, any hour now it could be, really. She said, in fact, her three previous children were born a little bit early, uh, before 40 weeks, so she is really right at that number now. She's at 39. So, Christina, yeah, we went and gave her the day off. We told her 39 weeks, about to have a baby. Yeah, we can go ahead and give you the day off today. So that means we are guest-free, and that means perfect opportunities to be heard, from, uh, that you have to be heard on whatever topic you choose. 216-901-0945. Chuck, in Independence. Hey, Chuck, go ahead, sir. Hello, Bob. This is Tom. I just had a question about... Tom? Yes. Yes, oh. sir. Said, yeah, it said Chuck on my screen. My apologies, Tom. Go ahead, buddy. No, no problem. I had a question about uh, Project Veritas and James O'Keefe. Oh. I really appreciate the work that he does and i'm not clear on why they let him go and i really thought that that was his program and his business i didn't know he worked for somebody do you have any insight on that well and, um, I'll just oh okay you'll go thank you i appreciate it. yeah i'll answer it the best i can um in terms of you know who's in charge yes it was his he founded project veritas and you would think to yourself well it's his business how could he get fired and the answer is, when you structure your business with a board of directors, you essentially empower the board of directors, and this would be written in the language of the contract, you empower your board of directors to run the company um, by their own best judgment. And that mean, that includes deciding who the CEO is, deciding who is in charge, and so forth. So the board of directors, it's kind of like, um, who do you think is in charge of Ohio State University? And if you say, well, the university president, you'd be wrong. It's the board of trustees. They hire and choose the university president. It's the same thing in a local school district. Who runs the school district? You say, well, the superintendent does. No, it doesn't. The superintendent is hired by the board of education. So at Project Veritas, their board of directors make the decision on who's running the show. And the board of directors decided that the founder, James O'Keefe, who is running the show, was um, essentially not the right man for the job at this point in time. Now, I don't have all of the specifics about why they felt that way, but they did basically send him packing. Uh, and James, okay, from from some of the some of the language that I read or the coverage that I read, apparently they believe that he did not necessarily behind the scenes run the uh, organization Project Veritas with um, I don't know enough compassion. They say he was gruff, he was he was maybe mean to some of the staffers, he was hard to work for, those kinds of things. Other reports that I saw, and these are all speculative, because unless somebody's coming out from the board and saying this is why we ran him off, um, then this is all going to be speculation. But uh, they did not like the uh, setup of the Pfizer uh, employee, the way that went down. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know what they or why they did what they did, but I do know this. It's going to cost them a lot of support because there are a lot of people who know that James O'Keefe was the brains and the guts behind the organization. And it's a, it's a courageous thing to do. It's a courageous thing to do to set up a hidden camera sting operation where it takes months and months and months in trying to find funding for this. Months and months and months to get close to and to infiltrate and get close to somebody at Planned Parenthood or somebody at, um, uh, you know, uh, a Pfizer or any of the other organizations that they have exposed and taken down through this incredible work they do. It's, it's gutsy. And a lot of people feel like if James O'Keefe, who had the courage to do this, isn't leading it anymore, we're done. 
and people have unfollowed Project Veritas on social media, and they have pledged never to support or promote them again. Uh, that's the best answer I have for you. The board sent their own CEO packing and the founder packing, and that's where we sit. Thanks for the call, my friend. Back after the news on AM 1420, The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two, boy, that was a very fast hour number one, I must say. That one, that one flew by. Really appreciate the uh, conversation. We are guest three in hour number two as well, and we will be guest three in hour number three as well. We uh, had Christina Hagen scheduled for today, but she's going to have a baby very, very soon. She's got a 39-week appointment today, and she could be uh, mom of four very, very soon. So uh, Christina is going to be gone for a bit, and uh, that means more time for you, 216 Nine zero one zero nine four five and triple eight two eight one eleven ten. It's the third morning of the third month of the year of year of our Lord twenty twenty three, and that means it is indeed a free for all Friday. So I want to hit you with this one. Here's another gem uh, from the uh, you know from the woke crowd and from the crowd that quite simply just does not want to ever ever let anyone celebrate anything without finding fault with it. Here's what I'm talking about. Did you know there was a Women's History Month? I have to say, I was today years old when I found out that there is a Women's History Month. I had no idea there was any such thing. I knew there was a Black History Month, and I know that for some stupid reason they made a uh, sexual orientation month in June, which means if you're gay, you get your own month. Strange as, as it sounds, that's what they did. I didn't know there was a Women's History Month. For some reason, I, just, I don't know, call me crazy, I just kind of assume that American history is all of Americans' history. It's male history, it's female's history, it's black history, white history, it's every uh, ethnicity that's ever been a part of this country's history. It is, um, it's kind of silly, but this is where we are. And there's a Women's History Month that apparently was celebrated uh, by the Toronto Raptors. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on, it just dawned on me. Toronto's in Canada. Is this a Canadian holiday? Johnny, see if you can figure that out. Is, is Women's History Month or Women's Empowerment Month or whatever, is it an American uh, holiday that I didn't know about or, 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 or uh, celebration of a month, or is this a Canadian thing? Because this story is about the Toronto Raptors. Let me know what you find, Johnny. Um, so here's the story. The Toronto Raptors basketball team posted a video celebrating Women's History Month by asking three members of the team what made women rule or run the world. And the answers were pretty, you know, it was simple. I think it's true. We cannot have a world without women because they have the babies. I mean, you that's it. The human population cannot survive without women uh, because of that. But at any rate, the qu- the question, which is it, Johnny? Is it American or Canadian? It's uh, celebrated in the United States, United Kingdom, and Australia. All right. Well, I guess Toronto then wanted to do this because they play in the American NBA, you know, uh, obviously. So, okay. So the Toronto Raptors did this. And here's, it's a 13-second video. It's so minor. It's so minuscule. It's so you know, unimportant, really, and, and, and the idea that this is offensive in any way, I'm looking for ways to figure out how and why. But this is what happened. 
Uh, the Toronto Raptors posted this video on their official Twitter feed, uh, and here's what it says. Oh, this part, I'm sorry, this part is not vocalized. Um, the screen reads, Beyonce said, girls run the world. Why do you think that's true? And here's what three Raptors responded. Girls run the world because they're the only one that can procreate. They birth everybody. All women are great because they're all queens. That's it. That's it. The first one said they're the only ones that procreate. The other one said they birth everybody. And the third one said they're all great because they're all queens. Is, is, did, is there something, is there a misstatement of fact there that I'm not understanding? Is there something inaccurate about what he, what they all said? I don't think so. But they had to pull this video because of the response they got online. Oh, my goodness. This is, this is completely inappropriate. Um, this is misguided and rushed. The Toronto Sun newspaper called it that much. The organization apologized. We're an organization, they say, that prides itself on doing the right thing when it comes to inclusion and representation, and we made a mistake. Our sincerest apologies to our players, our staff, and our fans. We'll work to do better today and every day after. I still don't know what they're apologizing for. Why are people complaining? Why is it misguided and rushed? Maybe the Toronto Sun has an answer, because the Toronto Sun ran the headline, Raptors apologize for misguided Women's History Month video. Um, the Toronto Raptors organization has some egg on its face today after a misguided and rushed attempt to highlight Women's History Month. In basketball parlance, this was the equivalent of airballing a free throw. And then they show the video. It says, the result was a video that sparked such a reaction from the public that it was quickly taken down. In the video, a handful of Raptors attempt to explain why they believe women rule the world. The responses extend from all women are great because they're queens, which got a pass with the social media critics, to girls run the world because they birth everybody and maybe more cringeworthy because they are the only ones that can procreate. For an organization, writes the Toronto Sun, that prides itself on equality, inclusion, and diversity, which, by the way, is interesting. They took the E that stands for equity in DIE and changed it to equality just for this purpose. With their actions in the community and their own hiring practices, this one left a real mark. The Raptors will host Women's Empowerment Night on March 14th as part of their series of culture nights, hoping to elevate women and not only celebrate them, but empower them to participate in sport, both on and off the court. So I'm struggling. I'm looking. What are the complaints? What is wrong with, with what they, with they, the 13 second video there? The only thing that I can come up with is that the player who said only women can procreate, and of course that means carry the baby. It takes two to procreate, of course, but only the one, it takes a male and a female to procreate. That, that's what he said, essentially, right? That's the reality. It takes a male and a female to procreate. But he said only women can pro- procreate because without them, without the vessel, you cannot have babies. You cannot, and that's just the reality of it. And then the other one said, because they birth everybody. The only thing that I can think of is that they have a big problem with the biological and scientific fact that only women can have babies. They want you to believe, this is why they reference DIE, that men can have babies too. 
They want to uh, tell you that the Toronto Raptors believe that men can have babies, and so women aren't the only ones who can procreate. That's the only thing I can come up with from this. They didn't say it out loud, but that's the only thing that I can come up with. So here's where we are in our culture. And this is North American culture, apparently not just American culture, because even north of the border in Canada as they celebrate our Women's History Month, they can't call women women without there being controversy. They can't call women women, and they cannot declare, which is accurate, of course, that women are the ones that have the babies, women are the ones that procreate without some sort of controversy, without some sort of complaint or criticism or condemnation. That is how far we have fallen. And then the worst part about it is, if they say that other people can procreate, other people can birth people, then you ask them, well, how is that if they're not women? And they're not going to be able to answer that question. Because they cannot define what a woman is. Matt Walsh proved in his movie and proves every day that that the left and the LGBTQ movement cannot define women. They refuse to define women. Because if they define woman, then it completely invalidates their argument that trans women are, quote, real women. And trans women, which are biological men, cannot have babies. It's just that simple. And then, of course, trans men, which are women trans uh, 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 transitioning to men, they can have babies because they're biological women, but they don't want to say that. So yet they can't identify what a woman is, and yet they're going to have, quote, women's, uh, uh, what was it, not women's rights, what did they say it was, women's uh, empowerment night. Women's, so they want to empower women, but they want to strip women of the unique title of being the child bearers in our culture and in our civilization and in our species, in our science, in humanity, in all of mammalian biology, to quote Ben Shapiro. The females of the species have the babies. The males of the species impregnate the females. The males produce the sperm. The women produce the eggs. They carry the babies. It is just that simple, and yet here we are. The Toronto Raptors, the basketball team, apologizing for saying that, yeah, uh, all women birth baby, or women birth all of the babies. Girls born in the world because they're the only one that can procreate. They birth everybody. All women are great because they're all queens. And there you have it. The apology has been given to the cancel culture or the uh, the cancel mob. 216 We'll take a time out and come back on Always Right Radio. Ten twenty two, always right radio on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. It's a free for all Friday. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Whatever question you have, ask it. Whatever comment you want to have or want to make, make it. Uh, we are welcome uh, welcoming all categories on a free for all Friday. That's what we try to do. We don't always uh, succeed because we often have guests that we get, have to get on, but. Um, uh, but that's what we're trying to do. Um, a new episode drops uh, today of the of uh, 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 True Blue Today, which is my television program. It's streaming television program on the network, True Blue, and there's no ease on that. Just T R U B L U, and you should find it on your app store, find it on your uh, smart TV or your tablet or wherever it is, and uh, subscribe. It's just four ninety nine a month. Um, my program is called uh, True Blue Today, in which we do interviews with newsmakers, particularly in the world of criminal justice. We'll talk to attorneys. We'll talk to cops. We'll talk to uh, prosecutors. Um, 
And we also offer commentary segments. We have video, and also we feature takedowns with Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen is still catching child predators 20 years on, and he's doing it exclusively on True Blue, which is uh, the platform. You should uh, subscribe to it at watchtrueblue.com. Watch True Blue. Make sure there's no ease in that. Watch, T-R-U-B-L-U. Dot com. Watch TrueBlue.com. Uh, and uh, you'll see Chris Hansen's program. You're going to see a program from David Clark. You're going to see a ton of phenomenal documentaries. And you're going to see my program called True Blue Today, in which case, like I said, we do interviews and commentary, and we call the commentary The Point. Here is a peak of one from this week. The Point Today. Uh, doesn't, work when, doesn't work when they don't have everything punched up correctly. Let's try it one more time. What's The Point Today? Uh, Mr. France. <clears throat> And hold on one second. We're still uh, queuing it up. And how? Uh, Thank you. The point today is that having a racially and ethnically diverse police force in an especially diverse American city is probably a very good idea. However, substituting diversity for merit or qualifications is a recipe for disaster. Los Angeles Mayor Karen Bass has announced this week her plan to, quote, remove obstacles for new police recruits, which can be easily understood to mean she will lower the standards to allow police applicants who fail to qualify for police academy training to join the force anyway. Bass says that her deputy mayor will work with a third party, quote, to evaluate the personnel process and identify obstacles to entry for recruits to qualify for training, end quote. The provision specifically states that the obstacles will be taken into consideration in relation to ethnic groups disproportionately left out of new officer training. So once again, the goal of the new recruitment initiative is clear. To prioritize what a potential officer looks like, rather than how well he or she may be qualified to perform the job in which life and death are on the line. The spokesman for the Los Angeles Police Union, Tom Sagal, pointed out the obvious dangers inherent to hiring policies that put people on the force who do not, quote, possess the mental fitness or physical fitness ability to be a police officer. If you have police officers that can't make minimum qualifications or attain minimum standards, for instance, there are recruits that have been in the academy that just can't score the minimum requirements for a physical fitness test. 100 is the maximum score, 50 is acceptable, there are folks that are scoring under 10. That's dangerous. End quote. The officer is right, of course, but the mayor is not likely to consider his objections or his opinions. She has a political base to satisfy, and increasing the diversity of the police force in a time in which police altercations with suspects are facing more scrutiny than ever before appears to have taken top priority. As evidence of the political motivations of the L.A. mayor, at the same time as her hiring initiative was announced, she also pledged to remove officers with ties to what she calls right-wing domestic extremist organizations from the department. She did not immediately identify what criteria is needed to brand an organization as right-wing or extremist, but she says she will use data from the Justice Department to make those decisions. The union spokesman was opposed to this directive as well, saying in a statement that we think it ought to be right-wing, left-wing, foreign, and domestic. We think that there are more organizations that members of law enforcement should not be associated with other than the narrow group that was listed in that document, end quote. Look, 
The point is, every citizen in America relies on its local police department to provide law and order in our local communities. We give them broad power to make decisions that can have life and death consequences. Keeping that in mind, it should be unconscionable for elected officials to play political games when deciding on how to staff those departments. Qualifications and merit must come first when deciding who should protect and serve the public. Identity politics and ideological differences should have no place whatsoever in that decision process. Our police protectors should be held to the highest of standards in all that they do, regardless of their race, sex, religion, or political party. And that's the way it has to stay. That's the point. So that was... um that was the uh, uh, sneak peek of The Point, which is a segment of uh, the latest episode of True Blue Today, which you can find online uh, on the uh, factual stream that was streaming network, uh, True Blue. Like I said, go to watch True Blue, watch T-R-U-B-L-U uh, dot com and, uh, and subscribe. Like I said, it's a cup of coffee a month. It's four ninety nine a month. Uh, you can save even 15% off of that. If you uh, subscribe for a year at a time and use the code France Year, France Year, F R A N T Z Year, and you can save even more on that. But uh, we do a lot of really good work on there. We've had a lot of great interviews already. We promote and preview a lot of great documentaries, and uh, very proud of that show. So hopefully, uh, you want to be a part of that as well. All right. Uh, speaking of crime, coming up after the bottom of the hour news, we're going to be talking about people who are being rewarded for crime. Let me say that again, and I want to say, say it: they're being financially rewarded, paid for their crimes. In New York City, people who committed crimes are actually being paid an average of $21,000 each. What in the living hell am I talking about? I wish I didn't have it, but I do, and I will answer that after the bottom of the hour break on Always Right Radio, AM 1420 BS. Sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always right radio with Bob France on the answer. 1036 on a free for all Friday. Appreciate you being with us. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers is fine. Let's get you up and on the radio with whatever your thoughts, what comments, what questions you might have on the news of the day. Uh, if you're on hold, stay there for just a minute. I'm coming. If you're not on hold, get there now. I'll give you a minute. Um, I want to hit this story in New York that I was just referencing before the bottom of the hour. Um, they're paying criminals. Now, th- there's some context to this, and I want to be fair because I don't want to be the mainstream media. I don't want to be unfair. I don't want to give you uncontact- uh, 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 out-of-context information. <clears throat> but um, here's what's happening. In New York City, they have agreed as part of a settlement uh, to a class-action lawsuit or in a class action lawsuit, they have agreed to pay an average of $21,500 to Black Lives Matter and other assorted George Floyd protesters from an incident, of course, during the aftermath in which cities across the country were taken apart. Businesses destroyed, windows smashed, cars demolished, put on, set on fire, a building set on fire, and on and on and on it goes, to the tune of billions of dollars of damage. It was over a billion dollars of damage that was done uh, by the George Floyd quote-unquote protesters. And remember, the Constitution allows us to gather. It allows assembly. It's in the First Amendment. The right to peaceably assemble shall not be infringed. Peaceable assembly is different than destructive assembly. Well, considering they had destructive assembly, when the police decided to clear the streets at the time of a curfew, they had to use 
tactics to clear the streets at the time of the curfew. And you don't do it with pretty pleas. You don't do it with, hey, could you guys do me a favor and go home now? We have to clear the streets. Mayor de Blasio has, has issued an 8 p.m. curfew, so you don't destroy the city again tonight. That usually doesn't work. So what does work? A show of force. When it's time for people to follow a lawful order, such as a curfew, and they refuse to do so, you don't, like I said, you don't go in asking nicely. Or you do, and as soon as they tell you, you know, flip you off and say, you know, justice for George Floyd and scream at you and keep on going, okay, now it's time to do your job, clear the square. Well, they did. On June 4th, about 300 people marched through the Bronx as part of the quote-unquote protest. And according to the lawsuit, the plaintiffs say the 8 p.m. curfew approached and police used their bicycles to form a wall and prevent the protesters from moving forward. Then the officers in the back pushed up from the back, and a tactic known as kettling. And just after the curfew, when the people would not leave, the police moved in on the protesters, zip-tied many of them in order to essentially arrest them. They certainly aren't going to put the process them all through court, but they had to get them out of there. They zip-tied many, and those who resisted um, were beaten with batons, according to the lawsuit. <clears throat> shoved to the ground, and pepper spray was deployed in order to get people out of there. So this is what the lawsuit said. And rather than fight this lawsuit in court, the city of New York is only too happy to agree to a deal, to agree to a settlement that pays roughly $7 million to the protesters, coming out to around $21,500 each. The highest levels of the New York City Police Department, according to the plaintiffs, which is the protesters slash rioters, coordinated a pre-planned assault on peaceful protesters. We're gratified this historic settlement will provide some measure of justice to those who suffered from this brutality. Let's talk about how peaceful those protesters were. Their rampant looting and rioting and destruction all across New York City damaged an estimated 450 businesses an untold number of cars, and an untold amount of uh, uh, monetary uh, uh, losses for the business owners. Over 450 of them. The New York City Police Department Commissioner Dermot Shea defended the officer's action, saying the kettling maneuver was executed, quote, nearly flawlessly, and blaming outside agitators for instigating the violence. So there you have it. Now, I'm gonna, I, why do I bring this up? First of all, because they just announced they're going to pay $21,500 to the rioters um, that were ignoring lawful orders to clear the streets, number one. Number two, compare that to the people who were beaten and one who was shot in the throat by D.C. Capitol Police on January 6th. Ashley Babbitt was shot and killed. She was a protester. She was unarmed. She was not violent. She struck no one. She was coming through a door or the window of a door, and she was shot in the throat. Another woman was beaten so mercilessly while on the ground and defenseless. Um, television, television news programs will not even show it It's because it's so bad. Anybody offering settlements to those individuals, the family of Ashley Babbitt, the woman who was beaten nearly to death, 
Anybody, anybody offering any settlements to the protesters who were violently assaulted when they were at the Capitol? Now, I'm not talking about the ones that committed violence of their own or the ones that committed vandalism of their own because I would not support or defend them any more than I would support or defend the BLM protesters who broke windows, set fires, attacked, turned over cars, attacked people, and so on and so forth. I don't support anarchy. Peaceful protest does not result in smashed things. Peaceful protests do not result in assaults and attacks on people and on police. And anybody that attacked police in New York and anybody that attacked police in Washington during the Floyd protests versus the January 6th protest, I consider them all the same. Criminals. Treat them like criminals. But here's the difference. No one who did any of those things in New York or in St. Louis or in L.A. or in any in Philadelphia, any of the other places of Minneapolis all around the country that saw those BLM riots go on for nearly a month, none of those people were arrested and held without charges for over two years. There are still people from January 6th who were protesters, who did bad things, who had been held for over two years, and still no no end in sight, no trial date set for them. Completely denied of due process, completely denied of their right to counsel. None of those people matter. But the New York City protesters get paid $21,500 each on average. Again, I ask you, I talked about this on Sebastian Gorka yesterday, the two-tiered system of justice outlined so clearly by Senator Mike Lee yesterday, or excuse me, the day before, in his questioning of Merrick Garland about uh, the abortion issue, about protesters at abortion clinics standing aside and praying for those entering the abortion clinics, being arrested and charged, and the violent agitators who threw, you know, Molotov cocktails at broke windows at, spray-painted the walls of pregnancy centers, health centers, and Catholic churches. Nobody's been arrested and nobody's been prosecuted. Two-tiered system of justice. I talked about that all day on Gorky yesterday. I'm going to talk about it more today. And now here's another example. Protest at the Capitol on behalf of Donald Trump and on behalf of uh, you know a, a legitimate election or demanding a legitimate election rather than a fraudulent one, that one gets you either beaten or shot or arrested and held without any kind of uh, uh, due process or a speedy trial, a constitutional right to a speedy trial, all of those things being taken taken away while the people in the the protests in the streets, the ones who broke windows, smashed things, and so on and so forth, and attacked police officers get paid off. Somebody explain our system of justice. I'll be making more comments about that, I can promise you, on the next uh, well, next week, I think, on True Blue uh, today, uh, because uh, that's got to be covered. We cover all things, like I said, law enforcement-related and uh, criminal justice-related. But uh, I'm interested in your thoughts, too. 216-901-0945. Tony is in uh, Parma Heights. Hey, Tony, thanks for your patience. I appreciate that. You're on the air. Good morning. Yeah, hi, Bob. I appreciate you taking my call. Certainly. Uh, I have a little bit of a touchy situation. Um, we recently, my wife recently lost her nephew to fentanyl and we're highly upset about it. 
And we know who to blame, Biden, no open borders, the cartels, etc., etc. And what's touchy about this is these NGOs, uh, non-governmental organizations, they are also to blame. And the Catholic Church is part of that. The Lutheran Church is part of that. And nobody stands up for that. They're giving these people money. That's who's paying for them, coming across the border, conducting this long train. My wife and I wanted to get active in the Republican Party. We went to a meeting Tuesday with Parma, Republican Party, and we talked about it with the president, if they could stand up and at least expose them for what they're doing. They brushed us off. Monday, I did talk to, there was a uh, Brunswick, Strongsville had a uh, uh, thing at Parma Armory. Uh, I'm a shooter. And I did talk to a few people there about it. They didn't seem to be aware of it. But it doesn't seem like there's nobody wants to stand up and say to somebody that's undermining our beautiful country, stop doing this. And please, please, Mr. France, stand up. Stand up for the people that are losing their lives. If the Catholic Church is undermining us, stop them. You um, have let, the let me, I, I wanted to ask you before you're done there, Tony, uh, could, I'm glad you brought up the Catholic Church again because you mentioned them as one of the NGOs that are responsible for this. You said the Lutheran Church, too. Can you explain that further? In what way are they culpable, are you saying? Okay, here's what the Democrat Party is funneling our tax dollars to the charity divisions of these churches, okay? Democrats are very smart. So what they do is they take our tax dollars and they'll buy gift cards. Now, they must be in Mexico helping them out there. They get billions of dollars to that. That's who's conducting this long train. That's who's doing it. So you're if talking, you, okay, let me make sure I understand you here when you're talking about gift cards and so on and so forth. You're talking about how the churches through their charities are um, enabling and assisting the uh, illegals, uh, you know, running these, uh, you know, these caravans and so on and so forth from the Central American countries and the Northern Triangle through Mexico and into the United States. So they're aiding and abetting the influx of illegals, and it's because of that influx that of course the fentanyl is being brought into the country that is do i understand that correctly yes that's exactly correct and you it's so easy to research i have stuff on my computer and and let me tell you something my friend i can give you more than research i can give you a personal first-hand account of this okay and i want you okay. tony, tony i want you to keep listening because i uh, i hear you and i agree with you and i and i thank you for the call um bye Boy, it's ten fifty. Do I want to take a break here before? Yeah, I, I think I need a break here before I tell you the story. This is a personal story. I'm going to tell you about uh, a situation that my family went through as a result of exactly what Tony is talking about. No, no one died of fentanyl that I know. It's not that, but aiding and abetting illegal immigration into this country and the ramifications, the effects that it has. 
my family had a very, very direct personal experience with that I will share with you. And I shared it at the time, but I'll share it again now because Tony is on to something that's really, really important. I'll tell you about it after this time out. Always right here. Ten fifty-three. So um, I want to follow up on the uh, call that I just took about. Um, you know, he's blaming Biden for the fentanyl. He, he mentioned, I think he said it was a family friend who's who lost a loved one uh, due, due to a fentanyl overdose. And as you know, a nephew it was. Thank you. It was a nephew. Um, as you know, you know, fentanyl uh, deaths are not always because of quote unquote overdoses. Um, a certain size of a dose of fentanyl is lethal in and of itself. You don't have to be like, you know, when you think of an overdose, you think of somebody just continuing to snort cocaine or to inject heroin and they just do too much and their heart can't handle. With fentanyl, even a one tall, a small, a tiny dose can kill. Um, it's it's that powerful. It's that lethal. And um, and that's why it's more considered a poisoning that is an overdose. You overdose. You've been poisoned if you, uh, you know, if you. I mean, there are officers who even touch fentanyl when they're trying to revive somebody who end up getting, uh, you know, into near death situations. So, the fentanyl death situation is, of course, the responsibility of the southern border. Uh, the overwhelming amount of that drug that is brought into this country and that is killing people originating in China, by the way, and then being trafficked through the southern border because our administration, the Biden administration, will do nothing about that about that border. So he said they're to blame for it, but he said also the Catholic Church and the Lutheran churches too. And you heard his explanation as to why. Because they provide aid through their charitable outreach organizations to illegal aliens uh, and their caravans coming across this country. And I told you I had a personal story, and here it is. About... Um, Six, almost seven years ago, my daughter was a student at an all-girls Catholic high school. She was one, up. we thought that because she was in an all-girls Catholic high school, it would be one that preached, you know, Catholic values and, and, and conservative Christian values and so forth. We didn't think they would promote the breaking of the law. Um, we found out differently come to find out that only my daughter and her one of her closest friends were actually the you know were were among the only true conservative students in that in that school and after her freshman year sophomore year rather at christmas time they had something called the giving tree and they had to decide i believe it was a giving tree and they had to decide which charity they were going to be giving donations to uh that year through the giving tree and what they decided on, and I don't know if it was student-driven or, or faculty-driven or a combination thereof, but they decided to give money to a Catholic uh, organization, a Catholic charities organization, uh, that provided food and water and aid and so forth to illegal aliens coming into this country, saying that these poor migrants deserve you know, compassion and so on and so forth, never mind the fact that illegal, alien, illegal immigration is a criminal act. Never mind the fact that these illegal aliens coming in, if they're not bringing drugs themselves, they are op, uh, occupying resources at the border and allowing others who are bringing drugs to come in completely undetected and unmolested. Well, my daughter complained. She's a sophomore. She went to the administration and said, I don't believe we should be supporting this. And I'm not going to participate in supporting the illegal activities of illegal aliens coming across this border, bringing dangerous drugs and other things into this country. Um, we shouldn't be doing that. This we got to find another charity. Well, they registered a complaint. They told her she didn't have to participate. 
But automatically she went on the radar. She went on the radar of other students and, yes, other faculty members. What they told her, and by the way, I, I offered to make this, because she, she came home and told me about it, I offered to make this fight for her, and she said no. She wanted to do this herself. So the agreement that she came to with the faculty was she didn't have to participate in it this particular year, and next year they would be much more careful and consider all student participation and um, uh, uh, and um, uh, opinions about which charities they support at Christmas time the following year. So she was satisfied with that. Well, the following year, Christmas time comes, and they they do their charitable outreach thing again and come to find out they picked the exact same charity as the year before, the one that is funding, and I wish I could remember the name of the organization, that is funding the aid given to the illegal aliens. And my daughter, they didn't even get, they didn't even give a chance. They didn't even, they, they ignored, they, they lied, they went back on their word. They went back on their word. They did not allow the students to actually have input into this thing. They just went with it again. So she went back to the administrators and the faculty and said, wait, wait, what? You're doing this again. What happened the last year? And they blew her off. But word got out that she and her conservative friend were going to the office and telling them, and by the way, she wrote an extraordinary uh, letter, extraordinarily in, extraordinary in every form, in her arguments against this charity and the, the fact that their school should be uh, supporting it, but also in respect and deference to the, the, um, uh, the faculty and the administrators. It was completely appropriate. It was completely respectful. And they said so, too. They said, let's have a meeting about it. So she had a meeting about it. They had a meeting about it in the uh, in like a conference room that did share an outside wall. So in other words, there were windows. And while she and her conservative friend were in there discussing with guts and courage that I don't think a lot of people understand, they were in there discussing their concerns about what this was funding and what these charities were doing and the dangers that came with it. And students outside took pictures of them through the windows and then put them all over social media and branded my daughter and her friend as bigots because they were in there. They're racist because they don't support people in, in Latin American countries coming into this country. This was the way it was painted. It got so bad that they then had a full school assembly in which students were allowed to come up and read their like own original poetry and do performances and other things like that, and they all had to be for a cause of some sort or another. And one student got up there in a speech and reading a poem that was rehearsed in front of, uh, of the faculty before it was allowed to be presented in front of the 800 girls in the school. She read a poem in which she directly, um, without name, but clearly identified the two racist students in the school who hate uh, brown people. It was a part of the poem. And as soon as she was speaking of it, 798 heads turned around and stared at my daughter and her friend. All they were trying to do is make a case that the school should not be supporting charities that support the breaking of the law and that support the importation of drugs and other dangerous things into this country. Needless to say, that was the end. As soon as I got the phone call from my tearful daughter that moment, my wife and I and the two parents of the other girl sprinted to that all-girls West Side Catholic High School. And we took no prisoners with the faculty and their lawyer 
This was on a Friday. No, a Thursday. By Monday, my daughter was in a new high school. My alma mater. Which does not participate in such things. So, to my caller, was it Tony, I think? I'm glad you brought the story up. And you are 100% right. Catholic Church, Lutheran Church, any of these charitable organizations that are supporting illegal immigration out of their compassion for people in, in other countries, you are supporting the death of Americans. And it takes courage to stand up and oppose that. My daughter had it. We had it. And hopefully somebody else will have it because people are dying and they're doing nothing about it. I'll be back. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, we're number three underway, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Good Friday to you, the third morning of the third month of the year of our Lord 2023. It's a Lenten Friday. Highly recommend the fish fry at Harry Buffalo, which I told you about before. Great deal, especially if you go from four to seven. So since we're talking about Catholicism in that way, we'll talk about it in another way as well. I want to follow up briefly on the uh, subject at the end of the hour. And the caller, Tony, who said he was uh, lamenting the tragic death of his nephew um, because of fentanyl and pointed out the obvious about how the Biden administration has the blood on their hands of many uh, fentanyl victims because they refuse to do anything about the uh, uncontrolled, wide-open border through which all of those deadly, deadly uh, drugs are being trafficked. Did you see, by the way, Biden a couple of days ago laughing, laughing as he talked about a mom who lost her two sons to fentanyl poison? He literally laughed about it. Did you? Let me see if, see if, you, uh, if this sounds familiar to you. She, she was very specific recently saying that a mom, a poor mother who lost two kids to fentanyl, that, that I killed her sons. Well, the interesting thing is that fentanyl they took came during the last administration. <laughs> <laughs> the fentanyl that continues to cross the border during this administration is just as deadly as the fentanyl that came across the border during the last administration. The only difference, you ghoul, is that the last administration was led by a man who tried to stop it. He tried to build a wall to keep drug mules and cartel members out. 
He tried to build a wall. He tried to control the border. And you and your party objected and opposed it every step of the way. Now that you're president, you've opened the border completely. Millions upon millions of people are streaming into this country, and we don't know what percentage of them are the drug mules. The fentanyl is killing people, and he's chuckling about it. Which brings me back to the caller. So Tony talked about his nephew died of it and complained of the Biden administration's complicity in this, as well as that of the Catholic Church. A non-governmental organization and NGO, he's right about that. And the fact that the Catholic Church is among those that are involved in a massive illegal immigration operation. They are. There's a website I urge you to check out called Complicit Clergy. Complicit Clergy. And there's an article from April of 2021 uh, from the Gateway Pundit that has been uh, added to that website. Catholic charities involved in what some say is the largest illegal immigration scheme in U.S. history. Ever wonder why the U.S. bishops are such strong supporters of illegal immigration? Because the bishops receive millions from the U.S. government to assist in resettling them. There's even video evidence which raises the question of whether Catholic charities are somehow engaged in the trafficking of children as well. Now, I won't go there, but I will tell you about this. That anything that is trafficked across the border and is supported by any organization, they are inextricably linked. If you traffic drugs across the border and you're helping people cross the border, you are helping, therefore, whether it's intentional or not, you're helping the drugs to come across the border. If there are humans being trafficked across the border, including children, and you are supporting the, the, uh, the illegal crossing of the border by these massive numbers, you are, whether intentionally or not, helping to traffic children. You follow this? So going back to the, the story that I was telling you about my daughter. When my daughter was in her second year at this all-girls Catholic West Side school, and I don't want to identify it, it, it rhymes with um, Agnifipot. Um, so that way I, don't, I can keep it, keep it clean and, and, and I don't want to embarrass anybody. But this, this all-girls school that rhymes with Agnifipot um, chose two consecutive Christmases to raise money from the school, from the students, to support a Catholic charities organization in Arizona that helped illegal aliens cross the border and make their way to whatever whatever destination in the border states that they were going, providing with them with supplies. They do it under the guise of, well, these are human beings, and no human is illegal, and all we're doing is giving them water and food, and yes, that's those are supplies. And then allowing them to continue on to the next rest point where you're providing them with more. In other words, you're facilitating and funding the uh, illegal immigration into the United States of people who have no business being here. What I said at the time was as if this charitable organization gave them food and water and then turned them around and said, now go that direction, back south toward the southern border from whence you came, and there'll be another aid station there for you to be fed and watered and, and conditioned and cared for on your way back to where you came from rather than coming here legally, then I would have been okay with it. But instead, they facilitated the trafficking of whatever into this country. And like I said before, my daughter, who was only a sophomore, 
saw this and knew it was wrong, and she she made the, the administration know. And she got them to admit, and they understood her point, and said the next year they would be more careful in what they chose, and they would consider the viewpoints of the students. Then the next year at Christmas time, they did it all over again. And like I said, the worst part about it was after my daughter became highlighted, she and one of her conservative friends became highlighted among what is apparently a very left-wing Catholic population of girls at this school that rhymes with Agnifipot. Um, once they were identified as the ones who were trying to stop this, uh, this support of this illegal alien train, um, they were identified and branded as bigots and racists because they didn't like brown people coming into the country. In fact, some Latino students screamed at them until one of them got to perform on stage reading an original poem in an 800-student assembly in which, again, she identified without saying the name but making it very, very clear, racist students who don't support uh, helping other people, brown people. And like I said... Every every set of eyes in the room turned and stared and glared at my daughter and her friend. It was bullying. It was abusive. It was humiliating. It was intimidating. And as soon as they got out of that, out of that auditorium, they called me and we and it was on, and it was on. We pulled her out of that school so fast. And thank you to my alma mater because I will tell you something: that school that I just told you about is still just as radical and supportive of these organizations that support illegal immigration like this. And they are just as woke today as they were seven years ago when this happened to my daughter. So is the other Catholic school, all-girls school in this uh, in uh, Northeast Ohio, and so are the two largest all-boys schools. I've got stories, and you've probably even read some of them and experienced some of them from all of them. So radical, so extremist, so completely contrary to everything that Christian conservative uh, schools should be preaching and promoting. They're all the same way. Thank God, and I say this literally, enthusiastically, and unapologetically. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the existence of Illyria Catholic High School. Not only is that my alma mater... It is my wife's alma mater. It is now my son's alma mater. And thanks to them, as I was able to get her out on Thursday and into Illyria Catholic by Monday, my daughter is now an alumni. It is her alma mater as well, all four of us. They don't go woke at EC. They don't charge you eighteen, nineteen thousand dollars $19,000 to go there either, the way the other ones all do. About half that. And they actually support families. They actually support the Catholic faith as it's written. They actually support the tenets. They don't support illegal operations. They are truly compassionate Catholics. And I was so proud to be able to put my daughter there and to have her graduate. Um, it's a, it's a story that I can tell you very personally, like I said, because we went through it. Um, but I believe it is without question. I know it is not, um, it is not a singular story. In other words, we're not the only ones. It's not unique. 
There are many, many other people, I promise you, going through these things. And they may or may, may, or may not have the opportunity to rectify the situation and pull their kids out of these terrible situations. But the Catholic Diocese, and I'm just going to say it flat out, the Catholic Diocese, the Cleveland Catholic Diocese, is a train wreck when it comes to how they operate their schools. I'm not talking about parishes. I'm not talking about leadership. I'm not talking about bishops. I'm not talking about anything like that with respect to the church. But I will tell you the way that they run their schools is completely contradictory to Catholic faith. Uh, at least the the, lar- the four largest ones that I mentioned, the two largest all-boys schools and the two largest all-girls schools in the diocese. I can tell you for a fact that the wokeness that they uh, push on these kids is second to nothing they will even get if they go to an Ivy League institution at the next level. If they go to a college, one of the woke left-wing colleges, it will just be a continuation of and maybe even a step down from the wokeness that was pushed on them in those Catholic schools. Sorry to be the bearer of truth, but guess what? Catholics used to believe in truth, or at least, I shouldn't say that's not fair. True Catholics do believe in truth, even if it makes uh, some of their institutions um, look less than uh, stellar. All right, I know I'm leaving people on hold, and I do apologize. I'll come right to you right after this. Eleven twenty-six. Yeah, I've got some people who are asking me on messages. Uh, why did you put her there in the first place? And the answer is, we didn't know. We didn't know. Didn't know. No idea that it was going to be like that. She liked the idea of the all-girls school environment. She thought it would be a really, really great experience. Did not know about how they ran the place. So, um, yeah, that's the story. Uh, Joanne is in uh, Twinsburg. Hi, Joanne. Go ahead. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. You know, I'm an old lady. I gave up on Catholic charities. 30 years ago when they caught all those women in downtown Cleveland stealing all the donations. So, but people need to remember, this is Catholic Charities time of the year. What, what, what and, are you saying, Joanne? You know what I mean? Well, they're, they're out there, you know, in the parishes. They did mine a couple weeks ago, you know, pushing for their annual donations. People need to think twice about what they donate or if they donate at all. And if right. they've already donated, they need to, they need to, Consider withdrawing. Well, I, I mean, think this, what people need to do is what I was trying to, and what I my mean, daughter I was about trying the to do. Church anymore, anyway. I mean, yeah, I mean that. But which I think is disheartening pe- when you're my age. Yeah, <laughs> I, I understand, Joanne. Thank you for the call. Um, you know, I, I, what people need to do, in my opinion, is if you're Catholic and you want to donate to Catholic charities. By the way, donate Catholic charities. You know, has traditionally done some extraordinary things and very important things, particularly. Helping, you know, uh, uh, adopted babies, or helping babies, I should say, uh, uh, get adopted out. I was adopted uh, back in 1968 um, uh, um, through Catholic Charities. I mean, they do some extraordinarily important things. Don't get me wrong. But what I would want to know before I make a donation to Catholic Charities is I would like to see a list of the um, organizations that they're going to support. I want to know where my money's going. You tell me if my money is going to this, that, or the other. That's what my daughter did. She's a sophomore in high school. And she said our money should not be going to support organizations that help supply illegal activity and potentially dangerous activity. And I think it's right for anybody who donates to Catholic Charities to ask that. Where's my money going? Uh, let's go to Donna in uh, Cuyahoga Falls. Donna, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Donna. In December, I resigned from the eliminate board of my all-girl Catholic school I graduated from because they decided to change their pronouns in the bylaws to gender neutral. 
Are you serious? An all-girls <laughs> school will not truly identify what girls are? Well, at the board meeting, there were 17 of us. I was the only nay vote, and I suspect it was because the transgender alum was seated at the table, and they were afraid to say so in front of her. Wow. Unbelievable. Well, no, not unbelievable. Very believable. This is what I'm talking about. We're supposed right. to be able to look to our faith institutions. And in our, those of us who are Catholic, we're supposed to be able to look to our churches and our Catholic schools and so forth in a time of crisis when it comes to crisis, crises of faith and when it comes time to, uh, you know, uh, to stand up for the, the tenets that we believe in through Christ, for goodness sakes, with all of this evil that is thro- that is growing and thriving in the world we look to our faith institutions for guidance and what are they doing they are throwing in with it they are denying god's own um creation of of man in his image and from man woman and that's it they're they're literally embracing the evil they're embracing the psychological impairment and so forth and we're supposed to look to them for guidance and and what are they doing they're literally doing the opposite i'm I'm so sorry to hear about you and your uh, relationship with your alma mater now. Well, I wrote to the Dominican Order that sponsors the school just to make sure they know what's going on because these women don't realize how they're going to hurt this school. No, uh, no, I'm sure they don't. Hey, hey, Don, I'm going to put you on hold here rather than disconnect you because um, uh, I want John to talk to you for a moment. So just stay on hold. It's 1130. We'll take a time out here on AM 1420, The Answer, and come right back. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and Keeping Medicare Simple. 1137, Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Good Friday to you. Got time for a few more phone calls before I ask Bill O'Reilly to take us to the top of the hour. That'll be at about 1145. He'll take you to Kirk, to Prager, to me again, because I'll be back on hosting for Dr. Sebastian Gorka from 3 to 6 into some seculo and into some tatum right here on AM 1420, The Answer. John is in uh, Cleveland. John, thank you for your patience on the air, or on hold, I should say. You're now on the air. Go right ahead, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, that's a pretty disgusting story you told about uh, the Catholic school, because I am a Catholic and I am practicing Catholic. That's pretty disgusting. It so is. Pe- people, but here's the thing. What, uh, since you took your daughter out of that school, you know, that lowers your level of ability to impact that school and to be a parent who could say, hey, you know, because I like the fact that you told me that you guys, you and the other people gave them a what for, as they so richly deserved. Uh, But by pulling out, you have less of a uh, core to, you know, go after them to get them to change. Because this, this is, this is, uh, this whole thing, the things you're talking about are really dangerous, as you have already talked about. Yeah, the thing is, um, we did it the, 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 the way you're describing the first time. Because it happened the first, you know, the first time it happened was my daughter's sophomore year. And she handled it appropriately and respectfully, and she went to the administrators with her concerns, and, uh, and they, they said they would change. They said, you know, you're right, you raise a valid point. Well, next year, before we choose our charities, we'll take input from the students and so on and so forth, and then they lied. So they made it very, very clear that they were not going to change, and the only thing that was going to happen for the next two years, had my daughter stayed there for her full
principal junior and senior years was that she would be bullied, intimidated, ostracized, and called a racist for the next two years, and we weren't going to allow that to happen. But what I knew, and I'm in a unique position, not every parent has the ability to do this, is that I could do what I did and am doing again now, and that is have the platform and a transmitter and a microphone to be able to tell everybody about these things because they may not know what's going on. They may not know what kinds of crap is being pumped into their kids' minds in those uh, supposedly Catholic schools that are um, that are so dangerous. And, uh, and so that's are, what I try uh, to do is tell that use right. that story to tell as many people as possible. You better find out exactly what your kids are being uh, uh, asked to do. And how are you sure that the new school doesn't fall into the same category at least somewhat? Well, it was that was easy for me because I know virtually everybody who runs the new school because it was my school. And, uh, and, and, and ironically and coincidentally, and this is totally coincidental and very uniquely, the principal at Illyria Catholic was the principal at the uh, junior high school and the, the, the elementary school that my kids attended. So we knew her explicitly well or you know, very, very well, uh, extraordinarily well is the best way to say that. And so we knew what, uh, what she stood for and we knew what I literally know everybody at the school. So it was very easy for us to know. And then of course we followed it. You know, we followed it and, uh, uh, my son who is younger than my daughter, two years younger, went through all four years and we were very, very closely in tune with what they did. And we know they don't do that. They don't participate in that. They don't do wokeness. They do Catholic church and Catholic school the right way. So that's what I would say. And thank you, John, for the call and for the questions. I would, I would strongly encourage anybody who's got a kid in Catholic school right now, find out. Don't assume that because your kid is in a private Catholic school that it's going to be drastically different from the woke public schools that we are talking about every single day. Don't assume that there won't be pronoun requirements at your kid's Catholic school. Don't assume that they won't be teaching kids to support illegal immigration out of compassion for people in other countries, even if it means they're bringing in dangerous drugs into this country. Don't assume that the Catholic Church and the influence of Catholic charities isn't turning your kids into little wokesters the same way the public schools are. You better figure it out. And you better find the right school for them. If you, are, you know, if your kids are too young right now and you're not there yet, you don't have to pick a school yet. You better do your homework and you better do your research. Just in the same way that we tell everybody who's got kids in high school to do their research about the colleges. That's extraordinarily important. My daughter, my daughter ended up at Hillsdale. She wasn't going to go through all this nonsense again. And now she's graduating in two months, and she's headed to law school at the University of Tennessee, which is going to be a phenomenal experience. And she's going to make a huge difference. She's going to make a huge difference in the world, I believe. I do. So make make a very, very careful, carefully considered decision before you decide what quote-unquote Catholic school to put your kid in to protect them from the woke public schools. You might find out uh, something different. Frank is in uh, Brook Park next. Frank, thank you for your patience. I know you've been there a while. Go right ahead. Hello. This is uh, Frank, Brook Park. Yes, sir, Frank. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, the bre- Bringing America Back to Life, the pro-life convention next weekend. Yes, sir. We have found from our home, my wife was trying to register... O- she spent over half an hour on the computer. It was totally impossible to register this year. So they've got enemies, I think, within there at Cleveland Right to Life right now. I'm sorry. Well, but they always have enemies at the Right to Life, first of all. Second of all, um, I, I think what she may have been encountering is is just traffic jams, because I think the entire two days might be completely sold out now. 
Um, I was talking to well, Molly Smith was, a couple of days ago, and I think that might be the problem is they just, they've reached capacity, and that's why nothing will work anymore. Because the phone numbers, I'm getting nothing from that also. So the email, at, uh, it's what a shame. Uh, I, I was looking forward to seeing you, and my wife also. But, uh, you know, we've been there a dozen years now. So it's wow. an excellent program for anyone to go to, by the way. I want to tell people on the air that this convention is basically is a capsule of everything that you usually talk about and more. Yes. It's superb. It's well done. Professional speakers like Austin Ruse, uh, Kerry Gress, people you don't even know, they're marvelous. Well, yeah, it, it, it really is, and, and I'm so glad to hear that you've been there almost from the beginning, because this is the 14th year, and you've been there for, for the last dozen of them. Uh, you, you and your wife are, are true warriors. Thank you, my friend, for the call from. Um, but yeah, um, I believe it sold out. I talked to Molly Smith and interview, interviewed with her on her program from the median, uh, a couple of days ago, and, um, I think she said there are like 30 tickets left maybe for Saturday, uh, that Friday is all one. I think they're, this was two days ago, so I'm sure they're all gone now. It's completely sold out for all of the events. Uh, but some of the speakers are incredible. You're right about that. Star Parker is going to be there. Mark Paoletta is going to be there. Jack Posobiec is going to be there. Um, this is just incredible, and I have, uh, I'm honored to have been asked to emcee the event for both days again. And I will be looking forward to seeing so many true prayer warriors at this event. All right, that's it. We're out of time now. Thanks for, uh, to uh, everybody for a great conversation today. Have a great weekend. We're going to see you on Monday. Be well, be safe, and remember, try to stay free. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.